The Red Raiders get their first sweep of the Shriners Hospitals for Children College Classic in all the times they've been. We'll talk about that and look ahead to the Bulldogs. This is Dinger Derby. Welcome. Welcome. To Dinger Derby. The official podcast of RedRaiderDugout.com. The only website completely devoted to Texas Tech baseball. Join Keith Patrick twice a week for team news, guests, ranking updates, and game reports. We'll be hitting taters with the Red Raiders from opening weekend all the way through Omaha. This is Dinger Derby. Well, Texas Tech went down to the Shriners College Classic in Houston at Minute Maid Park, and they took care of business in a big way. Lots of positives to take away from the weekend. We're going to look ahead to Gonzaga in just a minute, but let's talk about what the weekend looked like for Texas Tech. They were on a five-game winning streak, had demolished Houston Baptist at home in their first home series of the season, and then demolished Texas Southern as well, got a run rule game in each of those. So they were on a five-game win streak heading into Houston. Not the competition you normally see at this Shriners College Classic. This was actually the first time since Texas Tech's been going that they did not face a ranked opponent at Minute Maid Park, but still quality teams. And I I know, as I said in the last podcast, Texas State, not a team to bat your eyes at too much. They've been a solid program. Sam Houston State has continued to be a solid program. It grew to some extent under Matt Deggs. That's when the Bearcats took the Lubbock Regional from the Red Raiders in 2017. But both of those programs, good baseball programs, but oddly enough, it's the Texas A&M Corpus Christi Islanders that push Tech the closest to a loss. We'll talk about that in just a moment. On Friday, it was the evening game for the Red Raiders. They faced the Texas State Bobcats, who came into that one 4-6 and six on the season, Tech 5-3 and three at that point. Brandon Birdsell gets the start for the Red Raiders. He goes 4-2 and two thirds, gives up four hits, three runs, all earned, no walks, and four Ks. Does give up a couple free passes, though, in two hit-by-pitches. I wrote about that in the recap for that game, that it was really a game defined by the free pass. Zachary Lee, the starter for Texas State, goes six and two-thirds. He gives up four hits, five runs, four walks, and eight Ks on the night. He has a hit batsman as well. Most of those earned runs were after he was taken out of the game. They were runners that were still on base when he exited, so they belonged to him, but not runs he physically gave up. Every run the Red Raiders scored off of a home run reached base on a free pass. So Cody Masters, he has a three-run shot in the second inning for Texas Tech. It's a two-out bomb to right center field. Kurt Wilson and Nate Rombach had gotten on base prior to that, both with two outs, working walks. Later, Braxton Fulford, a two-run bomb to left field, it was Nate Rombach once again who got on with a one-out walk. And Braxton Fulford again in a two-home run day, the second multi-home run day of his Red Raider career, the last one coming against Oregon. Braxton Fulford hits another one into the stands in left field. It's another two-run shot, and it's Kurt Wilson once again who comes around for the extra run. He worked a leadoff walk 
there in the eighth inning. So the Red Raiders really relying on the walk there and then the long bomb against Texas State to get things done. They gave up a couple of those long bombs as well. It was a solo shot to Jose Gonzalez in the second inning. It was a one-out shot for him. That one came against Birdsell. That went all by its lonesome because Birdsell had not been issuing those free passes. And then in the fourth, Wesley Faison did the same. It was a leadoff single in the fourth that got him a runner aboard, Justin Thompson, and Faison hit a two-run shot to left field. The only free pass that came around and scored was one of the HBPs. That was in the sixth in face-on. He worked his way around on hits and was ultimately hit home with a sack fly. So this was a game where Texas Tech took an early deficit. It was one nothing after the top of the second. They came back with a three spot from that Cody Masters home run in the bottom of the second. Carried that lead for a little while, then it's tied up in the fourth by Texas State. They take the lead in the sixth, and Tech comes back in the seventh and eighth with three runs and two runs unanswered, respectively. So a nice day for the Red Raiders. Birdsell, a pretty good start. Not as good as you would like to see, but not bad by any means. Andrew Devine comes in. He has two-thirds of an inning. He struggled for Texas Tech, gave up two hit batsman, had a walk. He did get two strikeouts. He did ultimately give up a run. Derek Bridges came in and picked him up. He had two-thirds to follow and took care of Devine there. He had scoreless baseball, hitless baseball, got one strikeout, threw 10 pitches to retire those two batters. So Hade Key is the man of the hour there in that game against Texas State. Bridges got out of the tough spot as he picked up Devine, but Bridges got into a tough spot of his own. He ends up loading the bases. He does get a strikeout in there, but with one out, the bases loaded following a hit batsman, a single to left, and then a walk. That's when Hade Key walks in. So Key comes in with one out and the bases juiced. It's a sack fly to right field conceding the run. So there's an RBI there for the catcher, Tucker Redden. And then from there, Key does a really nice job getting out of that, gets the strikeout to finish it, and then he will go the rest of the way for the Red Raiders. He strikes out the leadoff man in the eighth and then works a ground out and a fly out. And in the ninth, it's a leadoff double to right center field, but then strike out, fly out, fly out to take care of business and no bottom of the ninth required. So Hade Key, a really nice outing, three innings pitched, one hit, no runs, no walks, and five strikeouts for him in 43 pitches. That was really nice to see. So walking out of that game, of course, the big storyline is Braxton Fulford, who goes three for four on the night. His only out, a strikeout in the fifth. It was looking. And I will say Seth Buckminster's strike zone, there were some questions that evening. Several Red Raiders had a little stare down contest with him as he was not particularly consistent, especially on the punch out. Fulford's first hit came in the second inning as he hit a two-out double following Masters' home run, but nobody able to bring him around. And then the two home runs in the seventh and the eighth, both of those were two-run shots. So a really nice day for Braxton Fulford. As you move on to Saturday and look at the Sam Houston State game, this was an afternoon game. Texas Tech now 6-3, and three. Sam Houston at that point 2-4 and four on the season. Tech comes in there with Patrick Monteverdi, the left-hander, facing off with Matt Dillard a left-hander for the Bearcats. Now, Dillard had been knocked around earlier in the season, so his ERA was an 1869, and you had to wonder 
how he was going to perform, he ended up reducing that ERA to a 784. A true pitcher's duel gets going between the Red Raiders and the Bearcats. Dillard ends up going six innings pitch, gives up three hits, one run. It's unearned, three walks, and has eight strikeouts. And then Monteverdi nails again, seven innings pitch, three hits, no runs, no walks, and nine Ks in 83 pitches. Monteverdi's ERA still sits at zero here through the season as he has been incredible for the Red Raiders now through three starts. Tech took the early lead in this one. They were the visitor in this game. It was in the third inning. Parker Kelly has a one-out single to left field. He moves around on an E3 to second base on a failed pickoff attempt. And Drew Baker hits him around to third with a single of his own, and Jace Young brings him home with a sack fly to left field. And then that's where we sat, one nothing baseball, until you get to the seventh inning. And there, it is Texas Tech breaking it wide open with a six-run seventh against the Bearcats. It starts off with a leadoff walk by Cole Stilwell, and then a pinch runner comes in, and Cody Masters, Stilwell had gotten the start at DH that evening. You move around, there's a ground out by Rombach and a walk, but then ultimately a fielder's choice gets Parker Kelly out at second. So now you have two outs and you have runners on the corners as Masters has worked his way around to third, Drew Baker at first after the fielder's choice. And then you have Jace Young with a single to load things up, Dylan Noisy with a single to right, there's an RBI, Braxton Fulford walks, and then Cal Conley deposits an absolute moonshot into the right center field upper deck. Just destroys that ball, pimps it a little bit, and gives it a watch before he heads out of the box. Cal Conley with the grand slam to break it wide open for Texas Tech. That's a six-run seventh. They follow with one more in the eighth as Parker Kelly comes around to score off of a Drew Baker RBI double, and the Red Raiders win it eight to nothing. You look at that score and eight to nothing really has a lot loaded into it as Monteverdi was exceptional all throughout the evening. He retired him in order, whether the traditional way or with the help of the defense, three times on his own. And then with Levi Wells and Ryan Sublette's help, who were also excellent out of the bullpen, Red Raider pitching did not give up a walk all day. The only free pass coming off a hit batsman in the fourth. Levi Wells, as I said, one inning pitched of perfect baseball, one strikeout. Ryan Sublette, one inning of perfect baseball with two strikeouts. They both were really good for Texas Tech, and that was a day that you needed to see out of the bullpen, particularly those guys, to build some confidence, and that did become important the next day. So overall, another really nice performance by Tech. Sam Houston State, a program that has had plenty of skins on the wall over the years. Matt Deggs, the coach, when they won the Lubbock Regional, is no longer there. He's at Louisiana now. But overall, it's a nice one for the Red Raiders, and they improved a 2-0 in Houston. It's the morning game on Sunday. They're facing Texas A&M Corpus Christi in a game that you would expect was a potential run rule. A&M Corpus Christi was actually run ruled by Rice the day before. Mason Montgomery gets the start for the Red Raiders. He had an ERA of two coming in, and the lefty from Leander has a nice day overall. Six innings pitched, three hits, one run, one walk, and nine Ks, and it's another pitcher's duel. Tech used four pitchers on the day as they had some struggles in the middle, but only two 
for the Islanders. Thomas Hayden gets the start there, 150 ERA. He goes six and two-thirds, and the stat line does not demonstrate how good he was. Six and two-thirds, three hits, four runs, three of them earned, three walks, and 11 strikeouts. Now, he was more than 11 strikeouts as far as how deadly he was to Red Raider hitting. He did a really nice job. Tim Tadlock, over both days, talked about a tip of the cap to those excellent starters. I definitely think the Red Raiders saw the best of all three of these teams, and they came out on top each time. But Hayden had shut down Red Raider hitters as he went through six, but he stayed in the game following the sixth and moving into the seventh. He gets a leadoff strikeout. That's his 10th of the day. But then a one-out single to left by Kurt Wilson, who had defensively subbed in for Easton Morrell, who got the start in right field. He hits Cody Masters. He's got two aboard. He gets the 11th strikeout. He gets a mound visit from his head coach and talks him into keeping him in. They had some double-barrel action going on in the bullpen. And then he walks Drew Baker. And at that point, you've got the bases juiced. You've got speed on the base paths in Masters and Baker, for sure. Kurt Wilson, no slouch either. And you have one of the most deadly left-handed hitters in the Big 12 coming up in Jace Young. They pull him there, and they bring in the freshman J.T. Moeller. He's got a zero ERA. He ultimately does a really nice job, except in this moment where Jace Young hits a bases-clearing double to left center field, just a little blooper right in the gap, as perfect as it could be. It's three RBI for Jace Young, and it's a broken open game for Texas Tech. It's been tied at 1-1 all the way through. Tech puts up a three spot in the seventh, all from that Jace Young hit, and the Red Raiders have a nice lead. But the drama is not over yet. So you move to the eighth. The Red Raiders, Mason Montgomery, went through the sixth. Connor Queen came in and pitched two very nice innings for Tech. He gave up one hit, no runs, two walks, and three strikeouts. In the seventh, Queen walked a man but had a really nice inning otherwise, and he was bailed out just a little bit. There was a man on this team named Itchy Burtz. Itchy Burtz was an excellent hitter. He had the home run in the second to get that one-run lead early that the Red Raiders then answered later. He had multiple hits through the day, and at the end of the seventh, for the final out, Drew Woodcox flashes the leather and grabs a screaming line drive right down the first base line. Woodcox snatches that laser beam out of the air and ends the frame in what would have been an extra base hit, potentially an RBI, as they had a man on first following a walk. Connor Queen comes back out in the eighth. He walks the leadoff batter and then gives up a single, and you start to get a little worried, but Queen pitches his way out of it, and he works two swinging strikeouts and a strikeout looking for his third of the day. Queen had a nice two innings. Brendan Girton comes in, who's also been nails for the Red Raiders, and he struggles mightily, unfortunately, in that one. He gives up two leadoff singles. He does work a strikeout. Then it's an RBI single. Now it's a two-run game, and he hits a man before he is pulled. So Ryan Sublette checks into the game, brings an ERA of nine, but had had a really nice outing the day before. You hope the confidence is high. Sublette comes in. First off, it's a an RBI ground out to first base. Red Raiders concede the run there to get the second out. And then Sublette walks a man. 
And then you start to get worried once again. I was certainly worried. I needed a paper bag to breathe in as the Red Raiders were making this one very tight. It was 4-3 at that point here in the ninth. It was the top of the ninth. Texas Tech was the home team, so you knew you had the opportunity. But a screaming line drive at Cal Conley. He goes full extension to the left side, snatches it out of the air, and that's ball game. So a beautiful job by Cal Conley. Does a really nice job all day long, to be honest. Conley was excellent, was hitless today, but had two web gems in the book. He also worked a non-traditional double play earlier as there was a line out to Conley from Steven Rivera. Conley catches kind of the bloopy soft liner going far away. He's deep in the hole. He does the Derek Jeter jump turnaround throw, and it is dead on target. He catches Itchy Burtz off of first base and gets the out there. So it's a line out to six to three double play. Beautiful job by Cal Conley. It was a great, great highlight. And then of course has the highlight at the end as well. One more interesting thing I wanted to mention is this in this game. It was one nothing early Islanders. Red Raiders come back in the bottom of the third and answer. Parker Kelly gets aboard with a leadoff E8 as the center fielder misses the basket catch on a can of corn, bobbles the pickup as well. So Parker Kelly actually makes it to second on the same E8. Following that, Drew Baker works a walk, and then on a wild pitch, Parker Kelly swipes third, and then works his way home on a pass ball that gets back to the backstop. So Parker Kelly free passes all the way around the base paths and scores unearned to tie it up. So that's where you got to 1-1. Red Raiders break it open in the seventh, and it's 4-1. Islanders claw back, but the Texas Tech wins it 4-3. Tech actually got out-hit in this game. That's the first time they've been out-hit since they played Rice back in 2020. I believe they won that one 19-12, despite being out-hit. In this one, they're out-hit 7-6. The Red Raiders, once again, with no errors on the day. Very much like to see that. And it's their first one-run ball game of the weekend. Coach Tadlock talked about what it meant to get out there and do that work and the type of baseball they played in some tight games. Here's what he had to say. Um, I thought the challenge of facing three team, three different teams is unique. It's always unique. Um, your preparation, your turnaround time. Um, I'm a, I'm going to say we face each team's best guy, even though I don't know that for sure. Um, I thought the guys, again, um, battled. I thought they played nine innings for the most part. Um, there wasn't a whole lot of let up there. Um, you know, it's, uh, got a lot of guys on the mound. Um, so there was a lot of good came out of the weekend, um, and played some good close baseball. I mean, those are the games you got to love to be a part of. So let's talk a little bit about the Red Raiders stats as they stand right now. And then we'll look ahead to Gonzaga. Jace Young leads tech with a 432 batting average. He's slugging an 892. That's good for second on the team. And his on-base percentage is a 558. Young has 37 ABs. That's about third, maybe fourth for the Red Raiders, but he's got 13 run scores, good enough for second. 16 hits on the season is tied for second with Drew Baker. Young has five home runs. 
He is now the leader in that category. He's 20 RBI leading there as well. He's also got 12 free bases on the season in the form of walks. He's tied with Dylan Noisy for that one, and he's been hit once. Young has only struck out seven times. That's tied for the lowest on the team with Braxton Fulford and Drew Baker. Now, I'm not including some of the guys that are seeing limited work. I am including Braxton Fulford, who's just a couple of at-bats short, but we know he'll be a regular contributor all through the season, so I will include him here. Fulford's batting a 364. That's second on the team. Drew Baker a 356. Conley 333 and Nate Rombach a 324. Kurt Wilson and Dylan Noisy 290 and 289 as they're working their way back up after falling off a little bit. As I said, Jace Young, your home run leader, Cal Conley and Nate Rombach both have three to add to that total. Conley with 14 RBI, Rombach with 11, and Dylan Noisy with 10. Your hit-by-pitch leader, Mr. Tough Guy, is actually Braxton Fulford tied up with Kurt Wilson. They both have two, so not as many as we're used to seeing. Cole Stilwell has three on the season as well. When you had Cameron Warren on the team, I mean, the guys, it seemed like he got hit three times a game. I don't know if it was his presence in the box or what, but Cameron Warren definitely wore quite a few pitches for the Red Raiders. It's Braxton Fulford who actually leads you in slugging percentage with a 9.09, nine ribbies for him, three home runs. He's got eight hits on the season, three doubles as well. That was something I did not mention in the recaps. Braxton Fulford on Friday has the double and two home runs. Saturday, he moves up to the cleanup spot. He goes one for three on the day. He does get two walks and a run scored, but he leads off the second inning with a double to the right field. And then on Sunday, Fulford stays in that cleanup spot, but he goes hitless. So four extra base hits for Braxton Fulford in two days, but then follows it up with an offer. Now, what we don't want to forget about Fulford doing with Ryan Sublet, he was a little bit bailed out there by Cal Conley with that final line out, which would potentially have been an extra base hit. Braxton Fulford also picked to his right a 58-footer from Ryan Sublette that bounced hard and went to the right and Fulford with a snag out of the air that really saved what would have been a run coming in from third as the bases were juiced. On the pitching side, Patrick Monteverdi still incredible right now. He still has an ERA of zero. His whip is a .44. That's walks plus hits in innings pitched. He's 2-0 on the season. He has three appearances. He has pitched 18 innings, given up six hits, no runs, two walks, 23 strikeouts, which is very similar to where Micah Dallas sat last season coming out of the bullpen, has given up one double, that's the only extra base hit, and that's in 57 at bats. He's had one wild pitch, one hit batsman, and one balk. That balk came this weekend. He's allowing a batting average by opponents of a 105. That's best on the team as well. Hade Key also with great numbers. Only five innings pitched for him right now, but two hits, scoreless, one walk, and eight strikeouts. He's allowing a 118. Derek Bridges still with a zero ERA. Nick Gorby, Eli Reekman, and Brady Lejeune Diacutis. As far as your starters go, Mason Montgomery overall is a, at a 180 ERA. His whip is also a sub one with a .87. He's pitched 15 innings, eight hits, three runs, all earned, five walks, and 16 strikeouts, also just allowing a 167. And then for Brandon Birdsell, nine and two-thirds innings, 10 hits, seven runs, four walks, eight strikeouts. 
He's allowing a 278 right now. You will have the same two starters coming up in the midweek. Coach Tadlock did confirm that today in the postgame. So you'll have Micah Dallas, who's tossing a 235 right now ERA. He has seven and two-thirds innings pitched. And Chase Hampton, who's tossing a 540 with five innings pitched. Those will be your two starters against Gonzaga. Let's talk about those Zags a little bit as they will be at Dan Law Field at Rip Griffin Park for a two-game stand. Those will both be on ESPN+. Plus. The Tuesday game will be at 6.30 p.m. and the Wednesday game at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Gonzaga will come in with a 6-5 and five record against the Red Raiders. They've had an interesting season so far and have traveled around quite a bit. They went out to the Sanderson Ford College Baseball Classic in Surprise, Arizona, and they faced the University of New Mexico. They got a 4-3 win there. They beat Kansas State in the Saturday game, 17-5, lost to Oregon State, who K-State actually beat on Friday, lost to Oregon State 20-4, and then had a Monday game against K-State again and lost that one 1-6. So they split it 2-2 two two with some pretty solid baseball programs, Oregon State and New Mexico longstanding levels of success there. K-State, not the strongest baseball program in the Big 12, but for sure, but with a really excellent Friday night guy who has done some really good things for them so far this season. Gonzaga had a four-game stand at Dallas Baptist, and you know how I feel about them. A tough, tough program, always salty. They split that one 2-2 two and two with the Patriots. They won 10-7 in the first on Thursday, lost the Friday 13-2, won Saturday 19-7, and lost Sunday 8-7. And then most recently, it was a weekend stand at home for the Zags as they hosted the University of Portland they lost it 2 nothing on Friday, but won the next two to take the series 7 nothing on Saturday and 8-1 on Sunday. So this will be their first true midweek action for Gonzaga this season as they come to face the Red Raiders at home. Offensively for Gonzaga, they've got two guys batting over 300. Brett Harris with a 375. He's got 13 runs scored. That's leading the team. Second on that one, Ernie Yake with 11. 15 hits for Harris. That's tied for the lead with Guthrie Morrison, who's hitting a 294. A few home runs on this team, five so far on the season. They've allowed eight. Your leader's Jack Matchoff, an outfielder. He has a couple of those. Andrew Orzel leads in walks with 10, and Harris has eight in his own right. He's also worn eight pitches for a free base. Steven Lund is also averaging a 323. There's a name to watch out for. He's got 13 total bases on the season, but it's Guthrie Morrison who has 23 total bags leading the team. He's got six doubles and a triple, so definitely leads them in extra base hits, does Morrison. But overall, it's Brett Harris. He's leading him in slugging percentage with a 550. His on-base percentage is a 554, undoubtedly their offensive leader on that team. From the pitching side, I've looked through their box scores, and it's tough to know with a team that hasn't played any true midweeks who it is we'll be seeing in Lubbock, but I have a feeling that your starters could be Bradley Mullen. He is tossing a 12.79 ERA right now. He's got six and a third innings pitched. He's given up 11 hits and nine runs, 
and an opponent batting average of 367. I'm also thinking that Tristan Vreeling might be an option as well. 1350 ERA and five and a third innings pitched. He's allowing a 391. They have some pretty established weekend guys, but you've had long weekends previously where you've seen these two guys get quite a bit of work. They get some short inning relief work on their side days. Uh, when others have starts, and I think they may be your midweek starters, but again, tough to know against a team that hasn't played any midweek games. So the Red Raiders come out of Houston, out of Minute Maid Park, with an eight-game win streak dating back to that Houston Baptist series, take down Texas Southern, and then all three at the Shriners. Now, that's the first time Tech's gone undefeated at the Shriners. They're also the only team this weekend to go undefeated. Tech goes 3-0. and Everyone else loses at least one as TCU lost in extra innings. They were walked off on an RBI double by Sam Houston State in the 10th, and so they lose the afternoon game on Sunday and fall to 2-1 and on the weekend. So Tech will host Gonzaga, followed by a four-game stand with UConn. That will be a very big series for the Red Raiders. UConn Favored to win the Big East, going to be a good test at home for Texas Tech. Then you open Big 12 play at home, hosting Oklahoma State, March 19th, 20th, and 21st. Now that's the first time that you've hosted a Big 12 opponent since the Super Regional of 2019 when Oklahoma State was in town once again, and the Red Raiders beat them to go to Omaha. So that should be a fiery series for the Red Raiders and the Cowboys. And then Tech will close out this 12-game homestand hosting South Florida in a three-game series at the end of March. That's a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So lots of home baseball coming up for the Red Raiders. Lots of positives to take away from the weekend for Texas Tech. We're still seeing some experimentation going on. Braxton Fulford caught all three days this weekend for the Red Raiders. You did have multiple guys work in in different places on Friday. Easton Morrell is in the cleanup spot in right field. He gets on base three times and gets an RBI, but never got a hit on the day. He was hit by two pitches and walked once as well. His only out was a ground out. Kurt Wilson got the start at third base on Friday, also hitless, 0 for 2, as he had two walks and two runs scored. Cody Masters, the DH that night, of course, does a really nice job with the home run, but he is 1 for 4 with those three RBI. On Saturday, Braxton Fulford moves up to that cleanup spot, ends up going 1 for 3 with the one double to lead off the second. He gets a couple walks and a run scored as well. Kurt Wilson starts in right field in that game, but he goes hitless, 0 for 5 on the day. Three of those are strikeouts. Cole Stilwell is your DH until Cody Masters pinch runs for him on Saturday in the 7th. And Stilwell also hitless, as is Masters, although he does benefit from the Stilwell walk and comes around and scores there. Now, Parker Kelly starts at third base for you on Saturday. He gets a hit early in the third, does come around to score, as I mentioned earlier, and ultimately with a walk and then later a fielder's choice and a run scored again. And then on Sunday, Fulford remains in that cleanup spot but goes 0 for 4. Drew Woodcox gets the start at first base, not only gets the web gym that I mentioned that helps out Connor Queen to end a frame, but also gets a hit late in the game in the eighth, so he ends up going one for three, but he did have a couple of strikeouts. Easton Morrell gets the start in right field again for Texas Tech. This time, he is in the seven hole in the order. 
He gets a single in the second and a single in the seventh that he comes around and scores on. So he's two for three on the day. Kurt Wilson, a defensive sub in the eighth and ends up getting a single in the bottom of the eighth for the Red Raiders. So you're still seeing a lot of guys coming in. Parker Kelly, again, gets the start at third base on Sunday for Texas Tech. You're seeing some guys work around. Again, that X factor still sitting out there potentially next month. Dylan Carter getting back healthy. What is that going to look like? And you still have some excellent options at Braden Runyon, looking for a place for him to play. Max Marshock, is the back going to get going? And he fights for a place to go as well. One thing I can say for sure right now, Drew Baker is playing an excellent left field for the Red Raiders. His approach angles are exceptional. He took a hard body check to the wall for a foul fly ball in one of the games. It ended up saying he trapped it against the wall, and so it didn't count, but there was a ground out on that batter anyway. But Baker doing a really nice job limiting bases out there with great approach angles, stopping extra base hits and turning them into singles. He's really played a good left field for the Red Raiders, and that one's gotten pretty consistent for Drew Baker. So I think you see a lot to learn about this team. There's a lot of good things to come for Texas Tech this season. Plenty of opportunities for them to continue to get better. And I'm telling you, I'm not saying that I feel like they're world beaters walking out of this weekend, but they won close baseball games. They did a good job. The approach is steadily increasing. You got to tip your hat to what ended up being some pretty good pitching over the weekend. And I think that the Red Raiders are on the right track and continuing to get better with every game. And that's certainly what you want to see as things continue to shake out. We'll do our best to cover these midweek games for you against Gonzaga on Tuesday and Wednesday, 6.30 Tuesday and 1 o'clock on Wednesday. As I said, those are, of course, on the Texas Tech Sports Network on radio and on ESPN Plus, Big 12 Now, for streaming. You can always look for the On Deck from Randy or myself prior to every Texas Tech game. And, of course, look for the recap as well with quotes from Coach Tadlock and student-athletes if they're made available. Those will always come up following games on RedRaiderDugout.com. We do our best to share those on social media, but please go follow us at Red Raider Dugout on Facebook, on Twitter, and on Instagram. You can follow me at Keith B. Patrick and Randy at Randy Rosetta. We're really enjoying Red Raider Dugout. We want to thank all of you for all of your time you're spending clicking around the site, jumping into things, sharing things. It really helps a ton. Please continue to support Dinger Derby. Get out there on whatever your podcatcher is, iTunes or any other. Rate, review, and subscribe us. Tell your friends and make sure that folks know about Red Raider Dugout and the Dinger Derby podcast. Thank you so much for your support. Thanks for supporting Texas Tech Red Raider Baseball. Hopefully we'll see you around the ballpark soon. I've been Keith Patrick. Looking forward to talking to you again. I'll be back in your feed following that Wednesday game and looking ahead to the weekend against UConn. Until we see you, be safe, have a good time, go catch some baseball, and wreck them. Thanks for tuning in to Dinger Derby and sharing our love for Texas Tech Red Raider Baseball. You can connect with Keith on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Red Raider Dugout. And find more great tech baseball coverage at RedRaiderDugout.com. Help us out by rating us and leaving a review on iTunes. And remember to tell your friends about the show. Keith will be back soon with another episode of Dinger Derby. And until then, wreck em tech. Keep your hand on your gun. Don't you trust anyone 
just one kind of man that you can trust That's a dead man or a gringo like me Be the first one to fire Every man is a liar There's just one kind of man who tells the truth That's a dead man or a gringo like me 